Everybody, welcome to the King and I podcast presented by our friends at Monster Energy here in Encinitas, California with my buddy Jeremy McGrath. And you're here this time. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a little bit of miscommunication on the last one. Yeah. But here we are. Yeah. So, uh, man, it's, it's the Monday after Atlanta. Yep. And uh, we're kind of flapping our lips about the race in a little bit. What did you think about that giant jump that they had that they took out, like they had on press day? Yeah, I saw your Instagram on it, and I saw that he crashed. But I bet more than anything about the size of the jump, I bet he was more mad at himself. How did his hand fly off? Yeah, right? He wasn't So I was kind of like, wow. Immediately when I saw the big jump, I was stoked. Mm -hmm. And I even commented on it. Love the big jumps. It reminded me back in the day at Anaheim one year, we had a quad. Mm -hmm. It was a two-stroke era. And uh, Button and I were on the same team, and we're like, Dude, this jump's big right here. And rarely did you ever click third mm. when you're on a supercross track other than in the whoops. Yeah. And this was kind of the section after you go by home plate at Anaheim and down that straightaway, and the last jump was a, it was a quad. Mm-hmm. So it was like a tri- proper triple with another roller out there, and we were jumping the whole thing. And uh, it, it reminded me a lot of that. Do I think they should have changed the track? No. Yeah, you think It's not the track's fault. It? Yeah. The rider made a mistake. And we're in a dangerous sport already. Mm-hmm. So, okay, guys crash. That's what they do. But um, I'm glad he was okay. It was yeah. kind of an early crash. Yeah, but, well, so but at the same time, I like the big jumps. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, like, yeah, it's not regulation, right? It was larger than the regulation triple. What's wrong with that, right? Like, I mean. The track size was larger than regulation supercross. <laughs> yeah. So the jumps required, you know. We've said this for a lot of years, right? The 450s are now have more power than the Supercross floor kind of allows, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the track, in my mind, should essentially grow, but that's not Supercross. We can't really grow the track. Yeah, but, but when they the get the opportunity, it, yeah. yeah, yeah, when they get the opportunity, Atlanta Motor Speedway, Daytona, you know, why not put a couple of big ones in there? Yeah, I don't know. I think I think the 450 guys were probably stoked about it. And to be honest, the 250s have more power than what we rode on two strokes. So they should be fine with it also. It's just, I think, you know, Hunter made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And he would probably tell you, like, had I made the jump, uh, they were loving it. So yeah. anyway, it's a bummer crash. Uh, it was cool to see his brother pull over and kind of, you know, stop, make sure he was okay. I mean, those kids are cool kids. And yeah, yeah it was a bummer that he crashed. But, and a bummer they changed track. But anyway, good racing that night. Do you think uh, with the way the weather played out, obviously the, the track was better than we all thought it was going to be. Oh, yeah. Do you think if they hadn't changed it, they would have still been able to do it in those conditions? It seemed to me that morning when I checked Instagram or whatever and saw some, some pics of the track being muddy and wet and, and a lot of water, I was like, wow. And then I got the text from, or the, you know, the info from Supercross Live that they mm-hmm. were going to uh, postpone <coughs> qualifying and stuff like that. So I thought for sure. I'm like, oh, man, it's a swamp. You know, it's going to be a big swamp. And they'll be lucky to race. Yeah. So I was pleasantly surprised when we came later in the afternoon and it was already qualifying going. I'm like, wow, I that's know. pretty incredible. So uh, I thought what, what I thought was going to be a lost cause turned out to be an awesome night. Yeah. Well, what did you uh, what did you think about the way the racing turned out? We kind of talked earlier. We said it was like, yeah, wasn't super exciting. But yeah, I thought the 250 the race was quite a bit more exciting than mm-hmm. the 450 race. Uh, 
Did you see Hunter holding off Craig like that? I didn't actually. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, Craig I thought. Um, you know, Craig made some good passes up in the beginning and and just kind of seemed like he rolled up to him pretty quick, pretty mm -hmm. easily. But you know, Hunter's been pretty tenacious all year long. I mean, the guy like you get to halfway in the race, yeah, and he starts to pour on the steam, mm -hmm. and where other guys are, you know, maybe starting to fall off a little. And uh, Christian's been really good this year too. So it's hard to really say. Um, did he go into defense mode? Did he go into like, oh, okay, I'll just yeah. Give him three points. I'm still going to have a 22-point lead. It's not a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't think like that, but you never know. He's had a great season so far. N no need to mix it up. And uh, Hunter could have been, you know, he could have played the spoiler, right? He could have maybe made some moves, took him out, got him really off his game, maybe caused him to lose a couple more points. I mean, he has nothing to lose other than mm -hmm. try to take Craig out. So, uh, is he that kind of guy? I don't think so, but you never know. Yeah. You remember when uh, Eli and Dungey were battling and they got into that thing where they were running into each other and all that? Did you ever have anything like that? Not really. I mean, I really didn't. I mean, look, for me, it seemed like it lasted. Like some of that stuff would go on quarter, mm -hmm. a quarter way into the series or even maybe half. Mm -hmm. But... For the most part, by the end of the series, I had a big lead, so it didn't really, <laughs> didn't really matter. So, what's the earliest um, you ever wrapped up a title? Probably '96, right? Because I won 13 races in a row. I, I would say I probably wrapped it up by, I don't know, two or three races from the end. Yeah. I'd say even. I'm not even sure. And did you go into a, a defense mode to like wrap it up and be careful, no. or were you just you just sent it every single race? Yeah, I just. I felt like I rode better if I just tried to win the race. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I like to call it riding with mirrors. You know what I mean? Like if I'm looking behind and worried about what's going on behind me, I'm I'm not concentrating on going forward. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, it's a bad habit of some riders, and it's a good lesson. You know, you just the thing I learned early, and I call it chase the rabbit. Mm -hmm. You know, at the dog track when they're racing and there's a rabbit on the fence, and yeah. they just keep going, and the, the dogs aren't going to stop. It don't matter what's happening. They're going to chase the rabbit. Mm -hmm. So I like to call it chase the rabbit. And uh, I just kind of try to race every race like that. You know, not look backwards, race as hard as I can and to the finish. Mm -hmm. And uh, that keeps your mind and your focus on the race. So some guys get caught up. You see, We've seen it a hundred times. Yeah. Guys get caught up. They start looking behind. They start slowing up. And then a whole bunch of stuff happens. So... Um, I'm sure there was a race or two early on in my career that I realized that I can't be doing that, looking mm -hmm. backwards and worrying about what's on, what's going on behind me. So that's where I came up with a couple things that I would just tell myself every time before I raced. Yeah. And uh, it seemed to work out. What do you think of uh, Eli right now? Like he had five in a row, and then he hasn't won in a couple weeks. Is he in championship defense mode? Because I mean, I don't, I don't think he's in defense mode. Uh, this past weekend. He got a really good start and kind mm -hmm. of fell off a little in the beginning, lost a few spots early on, uh, and then and made some really good, you know, passes to get back up towards the front. Mm -hmm. uh, Chase Sexton, again, gave everyone a present, uh, <laughs> Easter present, and <laughs> fell. So, <clears throat> I, uh, you know, I don't think Eli's in defense mode. I think when you get a points lead like he has, mm -hmm. you can ride for the wins. 
Yeah. You don't have to worry about second. You don't have to worry. You don't even have to worry about making mistakes. Yeah. What has he got? A 53 point lead or something, something like that. Something like that. So yeah. if he, even this weekend coming, I, he should he should be trying to win the race. I mean, it doesn't matter at this point. He's going to win the series. Yeah. Unless something, you know, catastrophic, catastrophic happens. Yeah. happens. Yeah. So we talked earlier, but like, how about that swap? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that on Pete's Instagram. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, Pete always. Pete Fox. He, he always, always puts up the good he stuff. He always puts up the good, funny little nuggets, you know, and I was always laugh. Uh, but, yeah, I guess he was just, that's how comfortable he is. Yeah. Right? I mean, he's like, comes out of a tank slapper Pulls a tear off. to a one-hander <laughs> tear-off. So that just tells you, like, he's very comfortable. Uh, we've said it already this year. For me, it seems like Eli is uh, as comfortable as he's ever been. Mm-hmm. And... The little sketchy stuff we used to see towards the end of races and as fast as he goes, uh, we don't, we're not seeing that. Yeah. So as a fan and just, you know, an expert on watching this stuff, he looks more comfortable than I've ever seen him. So uh, I don't know. I guess maybe the, for the, from the rider's standpoint, they're probably lucky that he's getting at this age. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, really, it's his, his decision when he wants to stop. He's riding well. Yeah. If he feels good, he's going to keep riding, you know? Yeah, I, I don't think, think anyone can give him a challenge at the moment in the long run. Mm-hmm. Week in, week out, maybe some races, some races, you know, he can get battled, get mm-hmm. in competition with some, be- some people. But I think in the long term, if he just stays where he's at, he's riding really good. I don't. Sexton's fast. He just needs to get his stuff together and stay mm-hmm. off the ground, and he can compete probably. But... If you get in a one-on-one scrap with Eli, I think at the moment there's nobody, nobody can beat him. Yeah, I think you're going to lose. All right, so we're going to go into our first segment presented by Arm Sport, the uh, What's Up with the MC. Endurance and action sports require peak performance from athletes' bodies and the proper nutrition before, during, and after these activities. Arma recognized a void in the marketplace and created a complete line of nutritional supplements formulated especially to help athletes and enthusiasts of all levels realize their maximum potential. They utilize not only the best ingredient combinations, but clinically proven dosages. Arma Nutritional Supplements have undoubtedly achieved best-in-class formulations. Visit armasport.com for more. Okay, so uh, this is the what's up. I know what's up, right? Because anyone that follows you on Instagram, but you just had a big uh, change of sorts. I did, yeah. Let me... You got the shirt on. Yeah, I got a little trolley. But look, anyone who knows me know... They know I've been a Troy Lee guy my whole life. Yeah, forever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm just uh, wearing Troy Lee gear this year. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. Something different. It's kind of weird that you, what is it? It's April, like a, a mid-year switch. I mean, yeah. I guess it's not my a racing My year ends don't right? end when everyone else's year ends. Yeah. And they just, they are what they are. Listen, I, I've, I've had an uh, unbelievable, great relationship with Parts Unlimited and Thor mm-hmm. for years and years. And, uh, yeah, how many years has it been? Gosh, since it's been since 2001, pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah, so it's been 20 years. And, uh, you know, the late, great Jeff Fox was mm-hmm. awesome. Personal friend of all of ours and a, you know, passionate guy about the sport. You know, he took me on when, when he didn't have to, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of a, it was kind of w- weird the, w- the way I felt about that. You know, I was kind of coming to the end of my career, really. And then the ending didn't work <coughs> out kind of like I wanted. 
And then, uh, but you know, Jeff was there, parts were there, uh, and then Hilton, Hilton Beatty was, you know, my number one for a long time. And so I can't say thank, uh, enough good things and thank you to, to Parts and Thor for the years of just great family, you know, mm-hmm. partnership, you know. Um, was there, wasn't there like a little break in there when you wore the DC gear? Or was yeah, it was, it was weird. I was wearing Thor the whole time. And then DC, who was a sponsor, came out with like a limited edition sort of DC Troy Lee thing. Mm-hmm. And for some strange reason, there was a little gap in what was going on at Thor. And then uh, it only lasted like, what, like six, eight months. Mm-hmm. And so then naturally Thor was like, what, what are we doing? We got to get this back on track. So yeah. anyways, uh, yeah, so Thor's just pretty much been steady for 20 years Mm -hmm. and uh it's been great uh this year troy lee uh, obviously anyone who knows me knows i'm troy and i are like best buds Mm -hmm. we've been partners in crime for a lot of years doing cool stuff you know winning races doing great paint and and just love troy to death and and his company's been on the rise it's it's awesome so uh it just made sense um we have some stuff in the works it's mm-hmm. gonna be really cool. Oh, we for can't not, talk about that. For not yeah. only me, but not but Troy Lee also, but also, you know what I'm doing personally with some stuff. So mm-hmm. um, it's exciting, and we'll let you guys know when that comes up. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's just kind of a natural move, really. I'm already a Troy Lee guy. Yeah. Um, Has anyone ever, besides Troy, painted helmet for you since you've been racing? No, huh? Not since I've been like. Pro. When I was Team Green, I was Kohler Kohler Colors, Kohler Colors in San yeah. Diego. Mm-hmm. But since I signed with Honda in the end of '90, uh, no one's ever painted anything for me. Yeah, only Troy. Is Kohler's colors still around anymore? I don't think so. I mean, I he was Kohler's was he the was guy. He was a big jet ski painter in, but down here in El Cajon, San Diego. So a lot of the San Diego guys used him. And know. he was the guy that kind of like did all the cartoon characters on the helmets, right? He did, yeah. I had Ninja Turtles, and we had, like, he. you know what he did is cool. He did a lot of cool, like, neon light bar sign-looking yeah. Yeah, yeah. names and stuff. So it was really, really cool back in the day. Uh, you know, that stuff was, he he was a he was a good artist, too. Yeah, but, he was uh, big on the granite. <laughs> granite, the rocks breaking yeah, apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was good old times. We got yeah. some old ones around here somewhere we can, that are cooler colors. Okay, so the deal with Troy, uh, you switched over to the TLD gear. Um, you kind of like dropped the bomb on your Instagram story, right? Which color should I wear today? You had three jerseys on the ground. When I first looked at it, I was like, oh, Troy's making like side-by-side suits for him. <laughs> and I like zoomed in. I was like, wait, that's a moto jersey. Like, yeah, it was just a quick thing. We were at Elsinore riding the other day, and it was going to be the first time I went out in the gear. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, let's just put up a couple pictures of the jerseys. You know, mm-hmm. to show what's going on. So, uh, I haven't really got around to putting out a really cool post that I want to do with mm-hmm. Thor. You know, for Thor, I'm going to do that this week. Uh, and then, yeah, just like I said, we have some stuff in the works at Troy. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, we just have, you know, what Troy Lee gear, what they sell. But uh, we're working on some stuff, and uh, should be out in a couple months. Yeah, that's cool. Well, we got Mammoth coming, so hopefully I'm going to have it before Mammoth. Yeah, the Mammoth prep has started for you, right? 
Yeah, it has, and I'm having a hard time trying to find enough time to ride already. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, we got some riding this week. We'll go out. Yeah, I don't know, one of the tracks. And yeah, have some practice. All right, I haven't been in Mammoth in, in many years now. Um, has it changed? Because I remember back in the day, right, the CMC days when we were doing all our amateur stuff. But I remember like it being loamy. And then the last yeah. time I went was probably ten years ago, and it was like rocky. Like the, it's the seems same. like the soil has changed. They keep pulling the soil off what we keep throwing off mm -hmm. with the bikes, but the first few laps are good, and then it starts getting choppy and hard. So it's kind of yeah. like a California style track. Uh, I think you know before the probably with the introduction of four strokes, mm -hmm. probably changed the way it you know kind of the track layout and not layout but the feeling of the track. Mm -hmm. So it is. It's me for a few minutes. I mean, that that the first few laps, like when oh, we the did the KX500 yeah. video yeah. there last year with Monster, uh, that was kind of like dirt surfing, right? So that mm -hmm. was pretty cool. Uh, but I guess, you know, the motos at like 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock are pretty, <laughs> pretty chopped up. Yeah. yeah. Hard pack. I don't mind, though. I like it. Okay, you touched on your friendship with Troy, your long-standing friendship, right? Yeah. And I think all of us have a crazy Troy Lee story. Yeah. I mean, I think the one of my favorites about Troy is the one about him and Mitch Payton stealing the sod from the Marie calendars and getting caught. Like, what's your best story with Troy? You guys getting in trouble or doing something goofy? Well, you know, like before I ever really became really good friends with Troy, when I first signed with Mitch and Pro Circuit Honda back in the day, and Troy Lee was painting our stuff, they used to do a uh, we used to do the AMA banquet over in Catalina. Mm-hmm. And uh, that year that we were going there, I had a broken leg, and I'm, you know, 20 years old. And Troy's known to be a little crazy at times, you know, and mm -hmm. Mitch, for that matter. <laughs> so back in the day, uh, you, do you remember Troy made those visors, and then he made those uh, the hats with those the hair? hats with the hair on them, like a yeah troll hair, troll hairs. And uh, I just remember, like on the way back on the boat ride back, uh -huh. I didn't know Troy good that enough at that time but they were lighting each other's things on fire <laughs> the troll they were, yeah because they would think they were pretty buzzed up uh -huh. obviously it's been a banquet all day long and uh just running around the boat with fire on their heads and <laughs> yeah i mean I, that just stands out for me because i was a little kid i was like yeah. i was not a grown-up yet i was 20 years old but i was trying to be a grown-up but i was just like whoa you know kind of deer in <laughs> headlights for back then and uh Troy and I have had so many fun nights together. I mean, just after the banquets in Vegas mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. just, uh, yeah, just his friendship has just been so cool, man. We, we just get along so good. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, looking forward to uh, seeing what you and Troy come up with with this new gear that's coming out. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. We, we should, what, what we're working on is going to cross over a little bit in a mountain bike too, mm -hmm. and which is cool. And yeah, it'll be out couple months I think nice all right transitioning into our next segment back in the day with Bell Helmets Bell Helmets was established in 1954 they're the makers of the Moto 10 spherical and the choice of professionals like Eli Tomac Cooper Webb our own Jeremy McGrath Dylan Frandis and Pro Circuit Racing the Bell Moto 10 spherical is the official helmet of the life on two wheels vlog and sadly I've put them to the test several times <laughs> so uh, visit bellhelmets.com for more uh, the Bell back in the day segment. Uh, we've touched before on the whole armor thing, like the supplements and training and all that. Uh, I was thinking about it when I was driving down this morning. 
And there was a point in your career when you distinctly decided to start training harder. Yeah. Right? What would you say you'd, all your Supercross success was on talent and flow and just conserving your energy? And then what made you decide that you had to start working out? You know, I, I don't think my, I mean, people look back and go, oh, I, I had so much talent, I didn't have to try. I mean, our, our sport is physically demanding. Yeah. Whether you're whether you're the best in shape guy out there or not, mm -hmm. it still takes a lot of effort. Uh, I think what helped me is obviously the the smoothness and talent on the bike, but uh, you know, also 20 laps back then was you know less than 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So naturally, that was going to be easier. Uh, some guys say, you know, outdoor motocross is easier to them than supercross, which I never really understood, but I wouldn't understand that because supercross is fun and smooth and easy, and mm -hmm. that's what I liked, so I don't know. Uh, I think it m was more about, it was less about getting in shape, but more about getting my bike set up and getting my head right mm -hmm. to be able to challenge the guys that were winning in outdoor motocross at that time. And that was LaRocco and Emig and Kedrowski and guys that when they went to the line, they knew they could beat me. Even if I beat them for the first 20 minutes, they knew they'd, they'd have a chance after that. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was, uh, it was really, you know, I, I, I love when people say I can't do something because then it really motivates me to do something. Mm -hmm. And I just had heard enough, really. I mean, it just everyone was like, oh, you know, he, he's good at Supercross, but he'll never be considered one of the greats because he can't ride outdoors. Mm -hmm. and, and I was like, you guys are just idiots. <laughs> so anyways, it just it just really motivated me. Mm -hmm. And I needed to do it. You know, I was, I was resting on my talents or whatever. Uh, and it wasn't that hard. There were some races that were hard, but it wasn't that hard. Mm-hmm. So, and I've said this before, you know, when I started winning motocross, you know, there was really no greater sense of accomplishment because when you went home from a race that day, your just body was hammered, your stomach was upset. You, yeah. you had to lay, I had to lay in the car and just hurting, you know. And so to me, even all the work you put in, you still go away hurting. <laughs> you know, it's just a long, rough ba battle and beats the crap out of your body. So, uh, you know, I think with the, with the talk that was going around and with the loss of, of or being the weak link in 94 at Motocross the Nations, mm -hmm. uh, I guess was that, that was maybe 93, huh? 93 Motocross the Nations. And then I went back in 90, no, that, no, it was 94. And then 96, I went to Jerez. So in Schwanensat, Austria, when we won as a team in, in Motocross the Nations, I really was the weak link. I mean... The team was strong. I wasn't strong. Luckily, I got a fourth and one moto, which was pretty good. Mm -hmm. But I certainly didn't want that to happen again. I was like, I can't, I can't go to one of those teams again. And that's why I passed on it the next few years because mm -hmm. I was sort of trying to build myself up and get ready for it. Uh, and then there was, you know, '96. I was, I was riding pretty good. I got hurt that year. That was the year I lost the championship, but. I was riding really good, mm -hmm. at least up to that point. And then 
what a cross of nations that just stepped it up for that that round which was late and what it was September maybe October or something yes usually so late September year, yeah so yeah I just I don't know for whatever reason I just wanted to shut everyone up and that's why it yeah. well worked out okay the way things are now like guys have training facilities like Alden's and, and all this and that and they're so scientific with everything are they I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, More than we were, yeah. Yeah, but sure. I mean, like, what was your deal like? What was your training program like before you got serious? And what was it like after? Did you have a trainer? I mean, I know you had Gary Semix, but that was a technique thing more? Or? Well, I mean, look, I think everyone needs a someone around to make sure they're doing the work, right? To kick mm -hmm. them in the butt. Do I believe you need to have, like, an Alden Baker? He's, he's like, the extreme hold you to the fire, make sure you do your work, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and, you know, we've always talked about that, like, with what Ricky Carmichael was doing back then, uh, you know, that was something that he needed, right? Because he, mm -hmm. he didn't have the crazy talent in Supercross like I did. So he was trying to figure out how to beat me, and the one, one week, uh, you know, piece of my puzzle was the fitness part of it. Mm -hmm. If he could get on me, figure out how to ride my pace, and then stay on me for the whole race, I wasn't accustomed to doing that. Mm -hmm. So he found a weak link, which is, you know, you have to, you know, you have to look at the whole piece of this thing and go, okay, where, where can I capitalize if there is a weak, weak link? And so from that point on, it sort of changed the way guys think about it and the way they do things. Um, certainly took some fun out of the sport. <laughs> you know, that's just how it is. I mean, yeah. we can sit here and all agree on that. But at the same time, it's also become more professional. Sports become bigger. There's more money. It's more pressure. It's not really a hobby anymore. This is a, this is a real, real job. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I'm just glad I was in the '90s because we had a lot of fun and it wasn't so businessy at that time. Yeah, um, we took it serious most of the time. Um, so yeah, I mean, for me, Gary Semex was my coach, but also there to kick me in the butt when I needed it. Mm -hmm. And I, I typically, you know, as a younger kid, I was pretty lazy. Mm -hmm. So I always needed someone around to like motivate me to go or do it with me. Um, but I have to say Honda was a big part of that too. Honda hired us, me and Lampson, a practice mechanic. So up until that point, we, we were working on our own bikes. It was up to us to go practice, right? Hmm. Working on our own two strokes. That's it. If we, if we needed major stuff, we'd take it in and they'd work on it. But yeah. for the most part, we'd work on it, clean a filter, change a tire, go ride. Mm -hmm. Uh but that year we got a mechanic that would manage our practice bikes and show up Tuesdays and Wednesdays wherever we wanted and we'd ride motos. Yeah. And so there was no excuse. I mean, we showed up, rode motos, went home. I didn't have to touch a thing. And that's the year that I got, got much, much better. Uh -huh. And uh, with the help of Jim Anderson from Showa, mm -hmm. the practice mechanic, and then just getting my head right and sacrificing myself when it came to the work and it came to the line choice on the track. You know, oftentimes the line choice on the track is not, uh, the fastest line is not the smoothest line. And most of the time it's not. Mm -hmm. But I was avoiding the fastest line because I was looking for the smooth lines. <clears throat> and it can only take you so far. So uh, the end of 94 is the year that I decided, that's the point when I decided, okay, let's, let's try to win an outdoor championship. Mm -hmm. And so I put the work in. So when you won the outdoor title, 
Was it like way more gratifying because people always thought you couldn't, or was like did it not compare to the Supercross titles? No, it, it compared. It's uh, I know in our sport, a lot of people don't give the outdoors much credit because it's not as popular as Supercross, mm -hmm. but it's it's twice the work. And for me, it was harder, right? So I hadn't won much outdoors, and. So to be able to win the title was pretty gratifying. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was very satisfying. <clears throat> but once I did it, I was like, oh, okay, now I, now I have the keys to the lock. I know how to do it. Yeah. And so the next year, it just kind of rolled on, and the next year was good, too. And, uh, you know, I got a little overconfident in Millville, that, that race, mm -hmm. and kind of screwed myself, for sure, with the injury. But I still knew, how, I still knew what it took. And um, as great as Supercross is, and... There's nothing like racing under the lights, but winning outdoor motos and winning a title was very high on my list. Pretty damn good. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, you were the first guy to go Supercross only. Yeah. Uh, I remember when, when you did that, I was just like, wow. And, then, and just being totally ignorant at the time, I'm like, wow, so he's going to like race Supercross and he's not going to ride all summer and he's going to get rusty. And, you know, like, it was just kind of like, because you were the first guy to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, guys were doing it all the time when they were hurt. Yeah. They would miss series here and miss there. Yeah. How hard was that to convince your sponsors of this program? Uh, well, I think, uh, listen, when I went from 97, the Suzuki year, went to 98, I essentially was a factory Yamaha bike, but I was a private team. Mm -hmm. So Chaparral, team Chaparral, Mazda, Yamaha, mm -hmm. and Larry Brooks was the team manager. I didn't really, uh, in 98, we had, I had every intention to race outdoor motocross. Mm -hmm. And what changed that was when I broke my wrist at Pontiac. So do you remember the race when I cased the jump? I still won the championship, but I broke the handlebars off the bike. Yeah. And then I was stood up in the corner and Larry Ward hit me and bam, back down. Uh, I raced six races and in fact won my final national with a broken wrist. Mm. So I, I finished the series was with a navicular? broken navicular and just had to have some, you know, I, I luckily when I crashed there, we had two weeks off. Mm -hmm. And so I remember uh, Jimmy Button and me and our wives, we went to Hawaii. And we had fun, but my wrist was hurting. And I, I didn't go to the doctor. I just thought I sprained it or something. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was such a jarring shock when I cased that thing. It just snapped my navicular in half. Damn. Luckily, it didn't displace, right? So it didn't move. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I, I didn't really know. I raced six races, four more Supercross and two outdoor, Glen Helen and Sacramento. And I won Hangtown in 98. Mm -hmm. And then I went to Mount Morris, and I crashed in practice because it was really wet and muddy and bent my wrist back really bad, and I couldn't even hold on anymore. So that was the day that I go, man, I better just go get this thing checked out. I went home and f discovered I had a broken wrist. All that time. Yeah, so in Supercross, I just was putting tape around the kind of the joint right here. You yeah. can see my scar right there. Yeah. Um, putting tape around the joint to kind of hold the wrist apart mm -hmm. from touching. And that seemed to help when I was riding. Yeah, I remember you used to just one 
one strip. It wasn't like up and down. And no, it was just, just one taped strip right there that. to hold the bones apart. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh, man, it'll, it'll, it'll get better. And it just never did. Yeah. And as long as I rode right and didn't have any of those, like, uh, any of those or that in Supercross, mm-hmm. then I, I could ride fine. I mean, in fact, I won races, so I won the championship. Um, not sure how I won Sacramento National, because that track is rough and yeah. bumpy. And uh, Albertine and I had a good battle. I think he won the first moto, I won the second moto, and I won the overall. So, uh, yeah, that was the last win I had. And we had every intention to race outdoors. Mm-hmm. But I had to get surgery on my wrist, and it's a three-month recovery. So I had that summer off, and then the next year I was like, that was let's cool. just do Supercross only. And Dave Dameron was all right with it, right? Because basically we got the big pop out of Supercross, won the championship, and mm-hmm. then I raced Glen Helen, had a epic battle with Tortelli mm-hmm. till my bike broke. Uh, something happened with the clutch in 99, I think. And then I basically just did Glen Helen and Sacramento maybe for the next 99 and 2000. And then that was pretty much it. So um, anyway, I don't know. Everyone always used to ask me, why, why are you racing Glen Helen? And just mostly because it was local. Yeah, local. But man, that track was gnarly. So I was, I, I was, yeah, I was, it was hard. The track was hard difficult very rough but it also kept me in shape a little bit longer so i had something to you know if you have a carrot in front of you like a goal you can work your way towards that you know yeah uh, if i just knew that after vegas it was over no more riding i don't know you know it was another month that i had to stay in shape so yeah. it, was, it was that was a good thing for me <laughs> you know all right you ready for a fan question we got the maxis fan yeah. question yeah, yeah i'm ready let's all do right. it from your bike to your truck and almost everything in between with wheels, Maxxis Tires will have you hooking up, pulling the whole shot, and beating your competition. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxxis delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter what the terrain or conditions. If you don't believe me, ask the King Jerry McGrath. Visit Maxxis.com for more. Okay, as always, I put out a solicitation for questions on my Instagram DM. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got one from Connor Stiesel. He says, what is the craziest thing a fan has ever asked you to do? Before you answer that, I remember being in the box van one time with you after Supercross, and there was a chick begging you for your underwear. <laughs> you gave her your sweaty underwear, and I think you were laughing because you said there might have been a skid in <laughs> I'm sure there was a skid in it, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think, you know, look, it's, the 90s was a completely different animal than it is today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, although the girls these days seem more grown up. As younger girls, they seem more grown up. But maybe it's just because I'm older. Or mm-hmm. let's just say old. Uh, and have daughters, right? So yeah. it seems a little... Uh, I don't know. When I was 20 and stuff, there was like girls' underwears flying around and like girls were nuts back then, actually. Yeah. So, uh. But wait, do you remember that night? When the girl I don't know, <laughs> but I'm sure that it happened more than once. So I don't know. It's just. All, a lot of those good times, you know, are, are just like they were such a, you know, like a flash in the yeah. pan. Yeah. I mean, we were just. Essentially, we were rock stars at the time, mm-hmm. you know, and especially around the track. So you just never know what was going on. Uh, 
we, we have morals, of course, so there was some guidelines, of course, but, yeah. you know, it was crazy back then, and, and uh, there wasn't any, you know, what happened that day was just what happened that day, yeah. in that moment, you yeah. know, now everything's documented and stuff, and you would never be able to forget anything, right, because mm -hmm. it's all on mm -hmm. video, or phone, or whatever, but, uh, I mean, I've said it a hundred times, that just being, you know, racing and having a career in the 90s was a much different thing than it is today. Yeah. And uh, our group of guys, like we've talked about in the past, like the top riders used to hang out together, mm -hmm. right? So we just always had a lot of fun. If I wasn't up to something, someone else was. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. we were always like, we'd shift around and at nights were super fun and we'd play cards and after the races we'd have beers and I mean, it was just fun. We had mm -hmm. a, it was all innocent stuff. But, uh, you know, I mean, there, there's some fans that ask, ask you for your underwear. They ask you to sign their panties. They ask you to sign their, you know, topless Body. bodies. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, okay, all, well, all that stuff happened. Okay, if we take it away from a female fan, like, have you had any crazy requests from, like, a fanatical, just psycho dude? <laughs> Not really, no. I mean, just guys love moto, right? They mm -hmm. love, they want parks, they want bike, they want bike stuff, they want gear, they want helmets, they want boots, yeah. they want all that stuff. So, uh, oftentimes you didn't see anything. I, I can't remember anything crazy on that, but um, you know, the girls that were around our age were a little <laughs> more adventurous. I, guess. I don't know. How about like uh, like you see it now? It's pretty common to see like fans with like their riders tattooed on them. I mean, but back in the day, like in the 90s, tattoos weren't as popular or socially acceptable. But I mean, did you ever have someone tattoo you on their body? Yeah, in fact, I have. Yeah. There's been several people that have come and like had me sign their forearm and my autographs like right here. Uh, yeah, or a yeah, picture, yeah. you know, of me right here, like a riding shot, you know, like mm -hmm. a character, like my sticker, knack-knack shot or something. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I've met a, I've met several people that have had that done, and I always, I always thought they were nuts. Right. You know, I mean, this is so strange. To <laughs> well, me. But for you, that's sick, right? Like you've made it's that big of an it's impact. It's so on flattering, them. of course, yeah. and it's, it's very cool. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, I love sports stars, and I'm a huge sports fanatic. But I can't ever imagine doing something like that. You know what I mean? Even my like favorite cars or my favorite anything, like what I. And I, I like tattoos, really. I mean, I don't know. I like them, so I'd, I'm not against that. It's just, it's just strange. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was at, I was at Milestone one day, and uh, there's this guy walking through the pits with no shirt on. And it was like this dude that shouldn't have been walking around with no shirt. He's kind of fat. Mm -hmm. But he had this big tattoo on his arm. And he walked by. And I was like looking at it. And I'm like, wait a second. I went run up to him, and I was looking at it, and it was a tattoo of a picture I'd shot of you. Oh, really? It was like, uh, you're, it was at the Yamaha test track and it was on one of my MX Razor test bikes. It was a cover shot where you whipped it and you did the no-legger. Oh. It was like that, but he put his number on it, like oh, as did? if it was him, but I was like, that's McGrath. And he goes, yeah, how do you know? I'm like, I took that picture. Oh, wow, that's so funny. But, so I've seen him here, I've seen him here. Uh-huh. Uh, in Vegas, 
a few years back, some some German dude was there, and we were at one of the you know the pool on a Sunday or something, yeah. and seen a big tattoo of me on the back of a guy. Um, I've seen more Honda photos mm-hmm. of me on guys than than say Yamaha photos, later mm-hmm. photos, but pretty crazy, but flattering, you know. I mean, that's kind of impact, I guess. You know, I had on people back then. It was pretty neat, and um, you know, I don't realize all that stuff when it, you're going through it. You know, mm-hmm. but as an older uh, adult, you're like, wow, that's pretty crazy. So, um, I'm sure it happens more now. Oh, way more. Yeah, I mean, tattoos are more kind of in and more cool, and uh, I'm sure there's. Imagine like a guy like Rossi or. Yeah. How many, how many tattoos he must have? I saw one on Instagram the other day. A guy that loved Hondas. He had Honda everything all over him, like <laughs> HRC, you know, just CR, all this stuff, like Ride Red, yeah. and all this crazy stuff. I mean, he was like, his whole arm was like Honda factory team. Yeah. One time when uh, Nick Way was still racing, he was at a dealer autograph signing, mm-hmm. and he texts me, he's all, yo, Rice Cracker, check this out. And it was <laughs> this chick, and she had, remember the Transworld Motocross icon, that little red triangular thing? Yep. She had that tattooed on her forearm. Really? Yeah, but then above it was like a fox tattoo or something. But still, he was like, look at this. I'm like, that chick's bum now. <laughs> yeah, that. No. Yeah, that thing. Yeah. But, uh, and then another time, we were at lunch at a, uh, BJ's Pizza, and our waiter had like all these motocross logos on his arm. Like, really? He even had NGK spark plugs and like fox, and he had Thor on the same arm and everything. But I was all, dude. So he just loved moto. He yeah, just, I was. I told him I was like, I'll give you a subscription for life if you put a transfer logo on here. But we never went back, so I don't know if he did or not. If he did that, and there's no subscription. His subscription, his subscription would have ran out. Ran out. He'd be on uh, what Men's Health now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, cool. Hey, man. Uh, it's always fun catching up, and uh, maybe next week we could take a walk up that hallway of yours and check out some cool stuff absolutely it's right yeah. there but anyway, our name yeah it is so guys thanks for watching uh the king and i podcast presented by our friends at monster energy and we'll see you next week